This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. So a couple of things I would like to direct you to. Number one, get over to Horns 24-7. That's where you'll find our insider piece. And it's all about Steve Sarkeesian's offseason priority of getting the passing game fixed. It's what Sark has talked about even going back to the end of last year. The passing game didn't click in the way they wanted it to. He knows they need to be more efficient. Uh, deep shots are a part of Sark's offense. Those need to be hit on more of a consistent basis. The kinks need to get worked out. So all of that stuff is in the insider column, and it's a, it's heavy on Quinn Ewers, uh, too, in our insider piece at Horns 24-7. So get over there and check that out. Also, the Longhorn Blitz podcast this week. If you're a subscriber, thank you so much for listening. If you're not, search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247, no dashes, slashes, or spaces. Click the follow button. Uh, get every episode of the Blitz, including this week's, which – we were going to talk kind of big picture spring football, but it ended up being basically an hour-long discussion on the evolution, the development of Quinn Ewers, which uh, it made for really good football talk. There's Patrick Mahomes references and Brett Favre references, and we talk about the importance of JT Sanders and basically you know, how he ties into the offense. But it all goes back to Quinn Ewers being the focal point of this passing game and proving from where it was last year. And... The main question I had with Quinn was this, and we know Quinn struggles and the footwork deal and him thinking he had it figured out after the Oklahoma game and he didn't in that Oklahoma State game, just how things went off the rails. But And we get into this on the blitz, and really the premise started with Quinn in the last scrimmage was said to basically have a mistake-free scrimmage. Didn't hear about any huge plays happening, but didn't really hear about him making the big blunder either. And this is a defense, a Texas defense, that I'm expecting to be Pretty good in 2023. I don't. I'm not expecting them to take a step back. Are they going to be, you know, uh, appreciably better, which would make them one of the best defenses in the country? That remains to be seen. But I expect this defense to at least be on par with what it was last year. So again, a pretty good defense. So Quinn's having scrimmages and scrimmage situations where he's limiting the mistakes and and not getting himself and by proxy the offense and the team in a bind. That's a sign of real growth. And, and we get into it on the Blitz where, where we talk about you know the quick game and how the NFL is becoming more of a quick game league and, and, and Quinn, Quinn utilizing the quick game in the Alamo Bowl, how guys with these, these big arms, that's kind of how they have to work defenses out of things like two high shell coverages to make coverages more advantageous to taking shots down the field. You take fewer shots, but because of your willingness to take quick game, quick game, quick game, take what the defense gives you, those shots are going to be there. And when they're there, you do have a higher chance of hitting them. We get into that on the blitz, but I, Cameron, I want to know where you stand on this. And I, I don't pretend to evaluate or know about quarterbacks enough to figure out this chicken-egg thing to this conversation. Is it Quinn Ewers' poor footwork and fundamentals that are causing him to have trouble processing post-snap? Or are his issues post-snap and his lack of experience resulting in the poor footwork and fundamentals? So I remember what Trent Dilfer said because Dilfer runs the Elite Evan, Elite used 11. To the head used coach, to, now coach he's at UAB. UAB yeah. 
But he said when Ewers got there that, yeah, he has the talent, but his footwork was really lazy. But because in high school he, he was, you know, heads and shoulders above the rest, you know, he could be lazy with his footwork and mm-hmm. still have the arm talent to, you know, not make mistakes to win football games. But NFL scouts, you know, would say, like, he's got to get his footwork cleaned up. And I think we saw a little bit of that last year, Jeff. I'm right there with you. I'm not a quarterback evaluator. Don't claim to be. Uh, I, don't I don't know. Honestly, I don't know that anybody is. Yeah. Know? Like, it's they're the best of the best. I, I go back to the example I use to say we're all flawed looking at that position, no matter how good you think you are or how good people tell you you are. Bill Walsh, the late, great Bill Walsh, maybe the greatest quarterback mind to ever roam this mortal world, once said – he had seen the next Joe Montana, and his name was Rick Meyer. So yep. even, even Bill Walsh even Bill Walsh got it wrong from time to time. Drafted Giovanni Carmazzi instead of Tom Brady. Like, it, you know, it happens. But, yeah, I, you know, my thing with Quinn, too, and, and I think we forget this about Quinn. You go back to after his sophomore year at Southlake, which when everybody in the recruiting game, that's when we figured out, okay, this kid's special. Like He's got, you know. What, how, however you want to comp his skill set, Trevor Lawrence, Phillip Rivers, whatever the comp is, he's, he's special. But you go into that offseason before his junior year and the COVID shutdown, which anybody that's going to stunt your development, especially a quarterback where you need to be, it's got to be hands-on learning, right? So that wasn't ideal. You go from that to going into his junior year where, remember, five A's and six A's that year got the late start to the season. Mm-hmm. And then Quinn had the sports hurting injury yeah. and the surgery. So his last game pre-surgery was the day before Halloween, and he didn't get back on the field until right before Christmas. Do you remember that season with the delay? Five A's and six A's are playing in January. So I think about that, and I think about Quinn coming back from sports hernia, the type of injury where what, what is that type of injury in the recovery? Where is it going to impact you most? In your core. And when a quarterback throws the football, you think about how much natural torque you've got to put through your hip and your core area to throw the football. Well, when you've got an arm like Quinn does, you can stand flat-footed and throw off your back yeah. foot if it's more comfortable. And at the high school level, you can make a lot of throws. And Rod brought this up on the podcast as I'm talking through this. Did Rod, of course, Rod, Rod Babers, ball don't lie, three to seven every weekday here on the horn um, with Mike Harge. Rod brought this up, and I think it's a great point. Did Quinn just settle into some bad habits recovering from surgery, throwing the football? Because you like you go back to Quinn as a sophomore and even pre-surgery and like go look at those tapes and then go watch him in the state championship game against Westlake. I'm not take I'm not gonna take anything away from that Westlake program because Coach Salazar's defense, we've seen it, it's been proven. It is a legit defense. They gave Quinn all kinds of fits. Michael Taft picked them off twice, so take nothing away from what Westlake did in that state championship yeah. game. But you watch Quinn's mechanics post-surgery that season and pre-surgery, he does look like a different guy. It looks like a guy that's really trying to compensate for the lack of, I can't just get my hips and my core into throws like I normally would, which results in you can really hang on to some of those lazy habits that you're getting away with. So then you fast forward going to the spring. He doesn't get a senior year of high school because he's at Ohio State. And how much 
And I'm not knocking Ryan Day, but how much development can you really do with a guy that's running your scout team? Like you're running somebody else's plays on a card. I need a shoulder thing too, right? Uh, that not until that wasn't until the the uh, the when he got to Texas, the Alabama. But game. didn't he miss some time, or was maybe he was just sick, right? Uh, I think he was just sick. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it was a structural injury. I think he was just sick. Um, you know, I'll go back and look at that during the break, so we I can clarify that before we get out of here, Cam. It's a good point, but. How much development was really going on during that during that 2021 season when he redshirted at Ohio State? So you take all that into consideration. So you get a guy coming into Texas last spring who basically had not been himself throwing the football in an offense that he's going to run for basically the better part of two years at that point. So, yeah, there were going to be growing pains. We just didn't think the growing pains were going to be as rough as they were but when you sit back and think about, and I'm not excusing some of the poor play because some of that's on Quinn, some of that's on Sark, some of that's on the offensive line, and we, we don't have the time to show to get into that. But considering everything that was that he was up against, it, it it's almost remarkable he had as much success as he did. Where you saw him start to struggle are when teams started to figure him out, figure out how to play him. That's when you saw the defenses that really utilize that three-safety look. They hang out in two high shells. Oklahoma State does it. TCU does it. Iowa State does it. Uh, go on down the list. That's when we really saw Quinn. You know, Baylor structurally can get into some of that. That's where we really saw him struggle. And the the counter didn't come up really until the bowl game when you didn't have – you know, the counter for Texas last year in the regular season was, all right, the passing game's not clicking – Turn around and hand it to Roshan and Bijan. Just let them carry you across the finish line. Texas did that in the Baylor game. They did it in the Iowa State game. Didn't do it in the Oklahoma State game and really couldn't get it done in the TCU game. Really nothing offensively was working for them against TCU. Mm-hmm. So what was the counter of the bowl game with those two guys out? Take what the defense gives you. If they're going to give you the quick game, they're going to give you the short throws, man, take them. And I th- I felt like we saw real growth. That's when I yeah. keep talking about this process of we saw real growth from Quinn during the bowl game. That's where you saw growth. It's the willingness to take those check down throws, you know, take the safety valves. And Jatavian Sanders, that's why I think, Cameron, until this running game really gets going and you figure out what you've got with C.J. Baxter or Jonathan Brooks or Jaden Blue, whoever your feature back is, and maybe you don't have one this year, but until you figure out kind of who you are and what you can do in the run game, I think not only the quick game, but that's, again, why I pinpoint J.T. Sanders as the guy this offense can least afford to lose because when you talk about you know the golden-arm quarterbacks and how they – evolve and how they develop and when they kind of really hone in and refine their skill sets behind most go- great golden arm quarterbacks you can find a great tight end with you know Patrick Mahomes he's got Travis Kelsey uh, Brett Favre he had Mark Chimura even now you know from that Andy Reid coaching tree that Bill Walsh coaching tree of West Coast offense guys that have taken the West Coast offense and put their own spin on it now to fit modern football one that I'm fascinated to see how he evolves is Trevor Lawrence under Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. Well, what does Trevor Lawrence have? He's Evan got Evan Ingram. Ingram. Yeah. One, another golden arm quarterback, one of my favorites of all time, Cowboys fans. Troy Aikman was one of those guys. In the North Turner offense, who was Troy Aikman's security blanket? Yeah, he had Michael Irvin. He had Alvin Harper. He could hand it to Emmitt Smith. But in the break glass in case of emergency situation, where's Troy Aikman going with the football? He's going to Jay Novacek. He said it time and again, Jay Novacek was his security blanket. So – where you're going to stress the defense, it's not necessarily with those shot plays, but it's the intermediate game between the seams. 
off of the quick game, that's where Jatavian Sanders can really hurt a defense. We saw him do it last year when he and Quinn were on the same page as really when the passing game was at its best. So that's, in a nutshell, that's where you need to see Quinn Ewers evolve. And you need to see Sark evolve as a play caller. Can you take the short stuff and the quick stuff and build your passing game out from there? Because you don't have the proven commodities in the run game to lean on like you did last year. Am I, am I missing anything, Cam? Are you with me? Are you do you have another point in here? Just kinda kinda give me your thoughts on on all this. I'll give you an amen on everything you just said. I think we saw yours kind of grow up. I think it was the press conference before the Alamo Bowl where he was just like, I had some learning to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was just maybe the processing part, him just relying too much on his footwork because a lot of people, a lot of Texas fans started to screen grab his footwork on throws that were bad. And it's like, all right, you, you can't just, you know, use the still pictures. You know, a picture doesn't tell the full story. Look at Patrick Mahomes. He has a lot of his footwork is probably not the best at times, but he's the best quarterback in the league. And for yours, I think, you know, he can still, re- you know, use his talent, but also there still is some developing he needs to go through that he didn't have the last three years dating back to his time at South Lake Carroll through the injuries in COVID. I think people kind of expected him to come out and be that five-star, you know, look at me, I'm ready to win the fresh, win the Heisman as a freshman quarterback. And he wasn't ready for that because he wasn't truly developed. And I think maybe some of that was on his end. Some of it was probably with the play calling and maybe Sark. But it looked, sounded like he went through a growing process. Yeah. And I thought the same thing. The Allen Bowl, I thought yours played actually – Really good. He had a couple bad drops. I think there was one or two routes that were miscommunications that may have not been on him. I haven't watched it since, I think, the yeah, second time I, through. Yeah, I'll be honest, Cam. I have a problem, you know, especially in the heat of the moment, and even reviewing it, uh, saying, oh, this is on the receiver yeah. or this is on the quarterback. Because un- unless you're sitting in the film room on Sunday with those guys, you don't know. Yeah. No, we really don't know. We, we have an idea, but you can't definitively say unless you're talking to, you know, any of the parties involved, what was wrong with that? Uh, CB and Belton Gringo bring up something on the Specs text line, 337-3776. Man, how many times did Vince Young look for David Thomas in that 2005 season? And to an extent, you, you go back to 2008, uh, Matt Butler brought this up on the podcast, when Colt McCoy set the NCAA completion percentage record. If Texas didn't have a tight end, uh, you know, Blaine Irby got hurt, and they basically went without a tight end, who was their tight end that year? basically just kicked Jordan Shipley inside and made him a flex tight end. And that's where that's where your intermediate passing game came from was Jordan Shipley. I think about that Oklahoma game, man, where he just he just worked Oklahoma to death over the middle. It was death by a thousand paper cuts in that game. So that's where and I brought up the reason why I brought up Mahomes and Favre specifically is my thing and, and I would think Quinn right now is putting in a lot of work because spring football is the time where you can work on things like your footwork and mechanics because you've got the time during practice to do that. That's that's what spring ball is for. But I think he really needs to get with a good private coach because I know, and I'm not going to you know knock anybody's teaching of the position. Again, there are guys far more qualified to teach that position than I ever will be. But I know he's done some work with Jeff Christensen, who's also done work with Patrick Mahomes. Man, if there's two quarterbacks I would yeah. not learn – fundamentals and technique from I would not base my foundation on Patrick Mahomes and Brett Favre are the two that immediately come to mind like it's funny now to go back and watch some old like if you watch like a football life on Brett Favre or any like Mike anything on Mike Holmgren it is hilarious now to look at just how much and, and you got to think Mike Holmgren had, he had Joe Montana he had Steve Walsh when he was or Steve Walsh Steve Young when he was with Bill Walsh like Joe Montana might have the best and as much as as much as I hate Joe Montana think about how much of a compliment this is Joe Montana might have the best footwork ever for a quarterback in 
in the history of the game. But that's what Mike Holmgren was used to because Bill Walsh used to say, man, in the West Coast offense, the quarterback's footwork will tell you kind of where the ball, when the ball's supposed to come out if you just watch the quarterback's feet. And Joe Montana had great footwork. And Steve Young was a little bit sloppy, but he got better. But, man, it's funny like how much Brett Favre just used to piss Mike Holmgren off with just how much of a, just a wild, just a Mustang, just a wild stallion he was. And Holmgren had to try to bring him in. Uh, and it's funny because Andy Reid was on that Green Bay staff. Andy Reid's got Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah. so you've got these gold and gun quarterbacks and now you have to make you know make sure they've got some longevity make sure you can build to build you know give them a good foundation so that way they can be your quarterback for the next uh, 10 to 15 years and you know Quinn Ewers won't be at Texas that long but I think that's the key for him I think he's got to get with a really good private coach in addition to what he's doing now to really establish that baseline and fundamentals so that way once you get to camp and the game planning starts now you're not you know fundamentals become second nature now you're really getting into the nuances of this offense what does Sark want it to look like how much do you need to be an extension of the play caller and really become a part of that offense like we've seen all great Texas quarterbacks do whether it was you know, V.Y. with Greg Davis, uh, Colt with Greg Davis, Sam Ellinger with Tom Herman. You know, the guys that do it at a high level basically become they they I, they become the identity of that offense, and they are that offense, and they understand exactly how it's supposed to run. So, I know that's a little long winded on Quinn Ewers, but I wanted to get that out there. 